Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. I'm a big fan of gadgets. Um, I found out it runs in the family. My mum uh, is a big fan of gadgets. My grandmother was a big fan of gadgets. But uh, as a result of being a fan uh, of all things tech, Uh, It means that it seems like everything in my life requires charging uh, almost all of the time. Uh, And so whenever I go to do anything, you know, I I reach for a gadget. You know, if I want to read a book, I reach for my Kindle. If I'm going on a journey, I I make sure I've got my headphones and I I listen to a podcast. You know, I'm always using some bit of tech. And, And far too often for someone who should by now be used to using all of this gear, of charging it regularly, all too often I find myself uh, planning some productive journey or a relaxing uh, afternoon with a book. I go and get that piece of technology that's all important and I find that I haven't charged it. Do you do that as well? Don't you hate that moment when you you get your phone out and you see the red power thing and you've not charged it and you're, oh, all my plans have gone out the window. And you discover that you've not got any power and without power it doesn't matter how hard you kind of press the buttons on the kindle or kind of put your earphones in your ear it's not going to work you need to have have charged it to make use of it and I've been thinking this week about power we've been heading towards this morning we've been heading towards Pentecost I always so look forward to Pentecost and it's got me thinking about power And I've been wondering whether I, and I wonder whether you have the power that you need to be the person that you're called to be and that you long to be, to do the things that you perhaps sense God is is leading you into or you desire to step out in faithfulness. Do you have the power that you need? You know, if you're listening this morning and, and you're a Christian, if you're here, if you've, if you've made it here uh, on a Sunday morning and you've risked the potential of rain, the forecast is currently holding out, it looks like, but if you've if you got yourself here, if, if you're at home and you bothered getting out of bed and of all things you're watching this on TV, then I've got to imagine that in some way, however you would articulate it, you want to be more like Jesus. You want to become like this saviour who you've met. You want to do the things that he calls you to do, become the person he's made you to be. And if that's you, and if you've been at this for any length of time at all, then you'll know, you'll have experienced that it takes more than just turning up on a Sunday It takes more than wanting to be different, to see your life transformed, your character change. It takes more than your best efforts, your deepest longing to be transformed into something new, doesn't it? It takes something else. It takes something or someone to help you. It takes power. You and I need power to be the people we're called to be. Well, this morning on Pentecost, we're going to 
continue uh, as this service goes on, joining in the prayer that the church has prayed since that first Christian Pentecost. We're going to be asking God to empower us by his Holy Spirit, to fill us and prepare us and transform us. And as we do that, we fully expect and trust that God will be present with us. And he will be working in us and through us. Because as believers, as Christians, as a church, we have this conviction uh, that I've tried to sum up uh, in one sentence. It's going to come up on the screen. It's this. We have a conviction that God offers his personal power to all those who ask for it. And when he does that, he empowers us to be like Jesus and to live for him. God offers his personal power to those who ask for it, empowering us to be like Jesus and to live for him. That's what we believe. And that's why we can come to any Sunday, but perhaps particularly a Sunday like today, to Pentecost, trusting and believing and asking for God to fill us and work in us and through us. And so I just want to unpack that conviction uh, briefly with you this morning, and then we're going to ask. We're going to, we're going to pray. We're going to ask for God to come and be with us and give us power to live for him. So firstly, we believe that God offers his personal power to those who ask for it. And that's what we were seeing uh, in those verses that Alfred just read for us. But, but as we come to this story of the first Pentecost, it's important for us to realize and recognize that that remarkable event that took place 2,000 years ago was not uh, completely out of the blue. It wouldn't have been an utter surprise for the people who were there because this was something that had been promised and anticipated before it happened. It was something that the resurrected Jesus, just the chapter before in Acts 1, had, had promised to his disciples when he said this. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of of the earth. Jesus had promised that something was going to happen, but even that promise wasn't out of the blue, but it was built on many promises that had come before it. Promises in the Old Testament, but even promises again from Jesus in the Gospels. In Luke 11, we hear Jesus say this, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And it's on the back of these promises, the promises of God's goodness, of his giving gifts, that those disciples gathered together as a community to wait and to ask for God to give them the power of the Holy Spirit. And as they waited and as they asked they had an expectation because of these promises that, that God was eager and, and joyful at the prospect of giving them just what they were asking for and because they knew they were praying to a good father who wants to give good gifts to his beloved children they waited you know, I love that it says suddenly in that passage, but, but if you jump just a bit back, you'll, you'll see that they've been in Jerusalem for 10 days since Jesus' ascend, uh, ascension. They waited 
and they prayed because they were expected. And, and you know, I think that's because they knew something that all too often you and I forget, or perhaps we don't grasp, because I don't think we quite understand, at least I don't always quite understand, the all-consuming, relentless love that God has for his children. The utter strength of his desire to give good gifts to those that ask for them. Do you know that God is not miserly? He's not hesitant. He's not reluctant when you ask him to give you these good gifts. He's not kind of looking at his ledger and thinking, well, you know, have they, have they done what I wanted them to do? And are they really deserving of what I have to give them? You know, should I? You know, he's not like that. God cannot wait to give you the good gifts that he has to you. He doesn't hold back or limit because of, of anything you have or haven't done, because you're undeserving or unworthy or unholy, because, do you know what? He knows that we are all of those things. He's not surprised that we don't live up to the sort of people who God might be so generous to. And our shortcomings don't diminish his desire to be kind to us. But if anything, they increase them. God longs to show you love, to give you his spirit. He pours out abundantly, generously, without limit, the gift of his spirit to those who ask in the perfect way and at the perfect time to bless you and to build you up and to send you out. And so the disciples knew this. They were expectant about God's goodness. And so they gathered and they waited and they asked and then suddenly, as we read, it happens. Each one of them, not just a select few, not just the special ones, not just those who had understood all the right things, each one of them is personally filled with dramatic power that the text says is from heaven. And they reach in these verses, we get this sense the disciples tried to describe what it was like. And they say it's like a powerful, regenerating wind that, that blows out the cobwebs of their souls. They say it's like a cleansing, purifying fire that sets their hearts ablaze with passion and energy. We get this sense of a dramatic and unmistakably divine event. And so those who ask God receive his personal and powerful presence and for many like the disciples it is a dramatic experience you know one of the greatest minds of human history a man called Blaise Pascal uh, recorded in his journal uh, his first experience of receiving the Holy Spirit when he asked God and received this gift and he he says this in a page that he sewed into the inside of his jacket so he would always carry it with him he wrote this from about half past 10 at night until about half past midnight, fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers and of the learned. Certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ. 
forgetfulness of the world and of everything except God. Joy, 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 tears of joy. For many, when God comes, it is a dramatic and wonderful experience that marks them for life. And for many others, God works in many ways at many times. For many like me, this is my experience. It's rarely, if ever, been so dramatic. I don't have a a journal page sewn anywhere on my clothes. You know, when I receive the Spirit, my experience is always one of gentleness. Like we heard in those words from Matthew 11, come to me for I am gentle. It's, it's gentleness and it's subtle. You know, it comes as a sense of peace or, or as a burden uh, to respond uh, to what God is calling me to do or, or an increase of joy in my heart. You know, God works with uh, each person in the way that he has made you to be. You know, he knows what you're like and he gives you a gift that is good for you, not for someone else. God gives good gifts to those who ask. But more importantly than how it feels, God's spirit in us does something. It's what we see in these verses from Acts. It powers us up and then it sends us out to be like Jesus and to live for him. To be like Jesus and live for him. I'm not going to spend any time on the the be like Jesus part. I just want to flag it as an important part of what the spirit does. It's what the New Testament calls the fruit of the spirit. The spirit brings about these character traits in those who are being transformed to be like Jesus. That's not where the the passage we're looking at this morning focuses, so I'm going to move on to the to live like Jesus part, because that's what happens to these disciples. The Spirit empowers them, and then they go and live for Jesus. In verse 4, we read that the Spirit enables the disciples to speak in other tongues, so that the good news and the praises of God Uh, and who he is and what he has done in Jesus Christ can be understood by that multitude of nations that were in Jerusalem at the time from all over the known world. And I know tongues can be a a bit sticky for some people, but it's a good gift that God gives, uh, usually to bless an individual, but in some cases, like at Pentecost, to bless others. Uh, And the scholar Tom Wright puts it like, this he says that tongues are a way of getting in touch with deeply buried emotion and bringing them to the surface in praise celebration grief sorrow or an urgent desire turned into prayer it's a good gift that god gives his people that he used at pentecost to bless those who were gathered and that's what's important that's what's important in this passage is that these supernatural gifts from heaven are given to each person who asked and then received power in order that they would be empowered to go out and to live for Jesus, pointing people towards him in mission as the gospel was shared. Now the gifts that God gives us are not gifts to be held onto, but they're gifts to be shared so that others are blessed as well. You know, God gives all sorts of gifts. Uh, To name just one that comes up all the time in our services, I think it's good to to just flag it, uh, is that God speaks prophetically. 
He gives prophetic insights and words of knowledge to his people. You know, quite often in our Sunday service, we'll talk about, you may have clocked it, we'll talk about how we prayed before the service and we've sensed that God is saying something. And that's because each time we gather to worship, the team who hosts these services get together and we, we wait and we ask and we trust that God will empower us in order to live for Jesus, to lead people towards him. You know, it's thoroughly undramatic. It just feels like a prayer meeting, but it seems like God always speaks. He gives us this sense of what he might want to say, and so we share that, and we hear stories regularly of people responding, of things being specifically for them, of words leading them towards Jesus. That's what the Spirit does. He gives his people gifts so that people come to him. God's power enables us to live for him, which means, as verse 11 says, people hear the wonders of God declared. In words, in actions, in lives that have been transformed, God is revealed where his spirit is given. It's not just for us, it's for the world. I heard last week an author and pastor called John Tyson put it like this. He said, you don't need God's power in the church where everyone agrees with you, but in the real world. The power of God is not just an extra so that services have a bit more tingle. He exists for faithfulness to Jesus in the real world. And that's what we see in Acts. This small, scared, ill-prepared group of misfits and the most unlikely and unimpressive individuals are transformed and empowered to be a group of faithful disciples who see God turn the world upside down. Because God offers his personal power to those who ask for it, empowering us to be like Jesus and to live for him. And so this morning we want to come and as we have gathered online and in person to ask and to wait and to expect that God will empower us to be the people that we're called to be, that we long to be, that we can't be by ourselves. And so we're going to ask, trusting that he'll respond and give us his children good gifts. And so this morning, do you need power? Perhaps even as I've been talking, has has a situation, a relationship, an aspect of your job, something coming up this week, has it come into your mind? Have you thought, "I I need power to live for Jesus in that situation because I know I can't do it by myself. Pentecost reminds us that we just need to ask And when we do, it might be wind and fire. It might be a still, small voice. We might be given new tongues to praise in, prophetic insight or supernatural faith and faithfulness. Whatever God does, the task for us is to remember that it's not just for here and for now, but it's for the world and it's for tomorrow. God wants to empower us to live for him to declare the wonders of God in our time and amongst the people that we love.
And so this morning we're going to pray again and ask God to empower us. So if you're in the room and you're willing, would you stand with me? I think standing is often a posture of engagement, isn't it? I'm going to ask Debs and David to come and join me and we're just going to pray, ask God to do what he wants to do. And do you know what? I think that's going to look different for each person at home and in the room, how he might want to give you his gifts, his good gifts because he loves you. And so we're just going to leave some space to let him do that. So why don't I pray? And we'll let God come. And so God, knowing that you are already with us, and knowing that you are our loving Father, that you don't need any persuading, God, we pray, come please and be with us. Come, Holy Spirit, and empower us with your gifts, with your presence, with all that you want to do. Soften our hearts to be open to you, and then fill us up. Come, Holy Spirit.